We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. Tana, Rachel, and I are joined today by two fantastic ladies that we can't wait to introduce. These ladies are part of the organization that tackles one of the trickiest and most important aspects of recruitment, retention, and reactivation, and that's mentorship. Right, Julia, and this conversation is so important because data shows that not having anyone to go with is one of the top barriers potential hunters cite for not being able to hunt themselves. So mentorship plays a role in all aspects of R3, both for the mentee that's trying to learn how to hunt, but also for the mentor. Exactly. So today we are joined by two lovely ladies from the Pass It On Outdoor Mentors Group. Before we dive into the details about this awesome organization, ladies, will you take a moment to introduce yourselves and give us a little background about you? Yeah, sure. Good morning. Thanks for having us on, you guys. Um, I'm Brittany French. I'm the Director of Field Operations for the Outdoor Mentors Program. I got involved with this organization back in 2015 as a mentor learning the ropes of how to mentor in the great outdoors and just fell in love with it and was fortunate enough to come on board in 2019 to help start an initiative called our shooting sports outreach program where we try to bridge the gap between target shooting and hunting. And I'm Stephanie Lane. I am the Iowa program coordinator for Outdoor Mentors. I just started in September, so jumping in in the heat of hunting season. But I have been an avid hunter my whole life. And when I heard about this opportunity through my partners, the DNR, I was like in awe that this is something that I could try to be a part of. And it's been really great. And I'm excited to talk about it today. Thank you. And before we kind of dive into the your organization that you work with can you guys give us a little bit more background on kind of how you got into this world so your education how you got into it i know both of you are are uh, frequent flyers on our podcast and listeners have probably heard your voice before but for those of you that might be tuning in today for the first time if Brittany and Steph, if you'll take a minute and kind of give us a little bit more on how you got into this outdoor recreation world and and maybe a little bit more on your education Yeah, I am actually a psychology and sociology major, and I played college sports and grew up hunting and fishing, but obviously when you go to college, it's a lot harder to keep hunting due to lack of land. Where do you keep all your hunting gear in your dorm room size closet? (laughs) And just lots of limitations there. So kind of took a little pause in hunting in my collegiate career. And then wonderfully, I took an internship at Big Brothers Big Sisters where my now current boss and our program president and CEO, Mike Christensen, kind of bopped into my cubicle and said, hey, I heard you like to hunt and fish. Do you want to mentor some young ladies in my organization? And that's kind of how I got involved with Outdoor Mentors is, is through mentorship. I'm ultimately, though, really passionate just, you know, human dynamics. I love to be able to study policy changes and do surveys on folks. Um, I think that's where the psychology part of my degree is a kind of unique feature in this line of work. Yeah, and I actually, I don't know how much I've ever shared this before, but I originally went to school to be a firefighter. So when I moved to Cedar, I I moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa to be a part of the firefighter program. It was like a dream of mine to either work in the outdoors or be like a hotshot, like jump out of an airplane, like what? I don't know, it's weird. I did that when I was 17. And then when I realized that wasn't the path I was going to take for multiple reasons, I decided, well, I didn't think college, the traditional college route was gonna be what I did. So I'm like, I have to pick something. So I picked marketing and business, which ultimately led me into a recruiting career. I was a recruiter for multiple years. And I really think like what drives me is like empowering people and people learning things and doing things that are kind of, I don't know, adrenaline like, but just like pushing your limits, which I think is with the firefighting. 
but having a career in recruiting, I love people. I love finding, I love finding people and connecting them with an awesome opportunity. And like, really, when I think about that in my head, it makes a lot of sense with what I'm doing now. Grew up hunting since I was a little kid. And as I got older, have been asked many times to mentor and help people and teach them to shoot, take them out hunting. And so this just seems to weirdly align in a beautiful way. All right, Brittany, I got to ask, what'd you play in college? Oh, I was a softball player. Nice. Yeah. I played field hockey. So it's it's uh, nice to, to meet a fellow college athlete. And thank you both for sharing because we have traditionally the ladies that we speak to on this podcast all have some sort of science, biology, natural resource degree. So as a uh, fellow outsider with an occupational safety and health degree, I, uh, I appreciate that we have people on here from very diverse backgrounds. But but to your point, you know, I have a, a marketing business minor because you know, I, I didn't really know where I was going and I felt like I could fall back on that at any time. And so having all of these different outside perspectives really lends lends us to learn a lot more in this R3 world uh, instead of coming towards it with with all these same like personalities to have all these other experiences is just wonderful. So um, thanks for humoring me with that. I'm curious though, what does mentorship look like for the two of you on your hunting journeys? You both kind of touched on the fact that you've you've been part of it, but will you give us a little bit more insight as to what it looks like for you? Yeah. Mentorship to me, I always tell people, I feel like it's kind of a God-given gift. Um, I feel like I can't function without like mentoring somebody or having somebody in my life to like share with in terms of trying to get them and helping them reach a goal. I just, I really love it. To me, it's a passion. And more importantly, it's, it's about cultivating friendship with these, these typically young ladies I mentor. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the big part for me that keeps me going and keeps me excited about mentoring. Brittany, I'm curious, did uh, you kind of follow a more traditional path when you were being mentored? Like, was it your family, your dad, your grandpa, somebody like that? Or was it somebody um, outside of that traditional mentoring system? Yes and no, a little bit of both. Like I had some friends that hunted, but typically it was like my uncles and my grandpa. So it was the more family oriented route. Um, honestly, I'm still connecting with women today that like to hunt. I'm still building that network because for a long time it was a little skimpy. Um, it just wasn't as profound as it was, as it is today, I should say. So I, I'm always thrilled to connect with younger girls because I kind of add them to my little tribe of hunting friends and it's great. (laughs) I love that. What about you, Steph? Was your like mentorship pathway kind of traditional as far as like being directly from family or did you participate in outside programs and other organizations? My dad started taking me hunting when I was about four. Uh, We did a lot of waterfowl hunting and a lot of deer hunting. When I was really little, I continued to hunt with my cousins, my uncles, my dad, that was most of my childhood. But then as I got older, I am just like a very insatiably curious person and I'm always trying to learn things like crazy. And, you know, growing up, we kind of hunted the same, the same areas, kind of did the same things. And I just became obsessed with going outside of that. So there was a lot of things that I did that I kind of mentored myself in a lot of ways, like as I got older, because there just wasn't, to Brittany's point, there wasn't really anyone for me to look at, other women especially, uh, to, to relate to or to really aspire to, to be like, right? So I kind of took that upon myself in a lot of ways. I became obsessed with podcasts and YouTubes and uh, YouTube videos and reading and just like, surrounding myself with those kind of people, which ultimately was really bizarre because when I started doing that, I realized that they were looking at me to teach them, which only had (laughs) the effect of making me want to be better because I'm like, well, gosh, who am I to teach them? There's so much I don't know. There's so much I want to know. And then I just have naturally just become a mentor and teacher to a lot of people, even though I was looking for a mentor and teacher. But I think that's just how that goes sometimes. Yeah, that's interesting. And thank you both for sharing that. I think the outdoor community is much, much richer to have you both as a part of it as mentors. So so thank you for that. I'm curious now if you'll tell us a little bit more about how the Pass On Outdoor Mentors Group got started and um, give us some more details about each of your roles. 
Yeah, I'll hop in and, and talk about that. The history of Outdoor Mentors is really rich. We're actually celebrating our 20th year of programming this uh, this year. So in 2002, the organization was started as a nonprofit organization of 501c3. Um, long story short, at the time, Kansas had just implemented the youth hunting season for pheasant opener. So the kids could get out a week before adults could to go hunting. And so the former CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and one of the former Department of Wildlife and Parks folks, I can't remember who it was for sure, kind of got together and got to talking, you know, how can we marry these two ideas, right? There's a ton of little kids waiting to be matched to a mentor through Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and there's a ton of people in the outdoor industry and typically mostly men, right? Especially in the 90s. Great opportunity to match caring adults to kids in need. So that's exactly kind of what happened. They took advantage of the first youth season and had a great time. The kids were exhausted after walking two fields and they they decided that this was a program that definitely needed to exist. And so that's where the start of it happened. And Mike Christensen has been leading that charge since since 02 and has done such a, an exceptional job partnering with outdoor um, industry folks for sponsorship and cultivating relationships with mentors. Um, it, it's pretty neat to see how far it's grown. And so in 2019, um, we started the shooting sports outreach program to try to broaden our population of who we serve. We found that serving kids and big brothers, big sisters is, is completely rewarding, right? Because those are the most underserved kids in our communities most of the time. But how can we broaden our reach and get more kids outdoors? How do we recruit and retain them in the outdoors? And that's when we found that this clay target league across the state was really mushrooming in size. And all these kids had hunter ed or some type of gun safety class. They typically own a shotgun and they're practicing like two to three times a day. So they're very safe. They're very smart. They're good shots. So how do we bridge that gap between target shooting and hunting was kind of the thought bubble, the pie in the sky moment for this organization. And that's kind of been my role since 2019 and being hired on is designing this program and kind of getting it off the ground. And it's went really well in Kansas. And we started a partnership there with the Iowa DNR. And that's kind of where, where we can introduce Steph. And we're so thrilled and so thankful for that partnership. Yeah. And just to, to play off of more of what Brittany was, was saying is, when I was learning about outdoor mentors and like the opportunity in Iowa, I was so excited. So what's really helped me as I'm connecting with landowners, potential mentors and teams across the state of Iowa is I think in Kansas, Brittany, you guys are doing like 300 hunts now, right? That's the goal. Yeah. So there's a goal of 300 hunts in Kansas, which they're super successful in Kansas and it continues to grow. And just for perspective, like what Brittany's talking about and this, and to me, it's like kind of a, you know, I'm putting like air quotes, like selling point. Cause I don't really think this needs to be sold, but in Kansas, when they're working on 300 hunts a year and you guys have what, like 1600 kids out for trap sports, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in Kansas, there's 1600 kids out for trap teams across the state. In Iowa, we have 4,200 kids out for trap. So there's three times the opportunity, both high school and collegiate, to get out hunting. Like these kids, like Brittany is saying, have gun safety and hunter safety, and they're and they're they're educated in this. And that's oftentimes as a mentor, like that's that's like the barrier. And I'm noticing in these conversations when they hear like, oh yeah, because they're worried about you know where is that kid going to point that gun? Do they know how to load their gun? Do I have to be responsible for that? And now you're working with kids that like, they know probably more than most of us do or the mentors do, right? And so it's just one less barrier to get them out hunting. Like they're just right there. So I just think that's so cool. And when I start having those conversations with people in Iowa, like it's like a light bulb. And when you hear those numbers, it's insane. Especially when you think about what Kansas is doing with the number of kids they have, you know, Iowa is like kind of like, I, I think that the opportunity is huge and I can't believe something like this wasn't really happening before to this level, you know? Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Steph, because the, um, the firearm safety and handling is a big component of that. But also when surveyed, people tend to indicate that gear can be a barrier too. And so these youth having access to um, shotguns already, whether it's some that they own or some that they like rent or borrow, that's really important too. And that's just one more barrier that this group has already kind of tackled. So I think it's awesome that you guys are making these connections. Kind of along those same lines, I mean, we know that our, our teams were doing some sort of 
unformal, you know, group hunts, but there wasn't anything like super structured. And so that's where the partnership kind of came in to, to see if we could streamline and, and really grow it. And then taking not just, you know, under 18 youth, but Iowa has over 22 different colleges that have collegiate teams. So these are collegiate shooting sports teams. So really banking on that, you know, th these folks are 18 to 24. So can we, can we use them? And then can we actually partner them with high school students and create this whole bigger mentorship program instead of looking at us as adults to be mentors? Could, could youth, air quotes, 24-year-olds mentor youth 12-year-olds, that type of relationship. So uh, there's, there's some really great things that are going on and, and we're proud to be working with outdoor mentors and, and excited to see what's gonna come in the future. Rachel, I like that idea of the young youth matching up with, I mean, basically generations that are close to each other in, in seeing yeah. that support and help within the, those two different audiences. That's a, that's a great idea. And we see it a lot already within the trap teams. Um, we have graduates that are, you know, a year or two removed that are coming back as junior coaches. They're coming back as, as mentors on the trap line and now taking it to the next level instead of on the trap line, you're gonna take them out to the hunting field too. So kind of just seeing what we can do to cultivate that relationship. I think you see a lot of that in sports in general, right? But I think with trap shooting being such an intimate sport, you're shooting typically with the same four other people on your line. It's really easy to kind of designate a leader who's typically a little more experienced, probably a little older, and it just is a trinkle down effect, right? And so you, it's not surprising that we see so many of those kids want to come back. Yeah, and they probably think they're oftentimes kids, the younger ones probably think they're a lot cooler than we are. <laughs> or some of the mentors, you know, just being closer in age, like, oh, that person's so awesome. So I think it has that effect for sure. Wait a minute, you're telling me at 40, I'm not cool? Is that what they're telling me? I mean, I think <laughs> just that you're cool. I think you're cool. I think all of us are pretty cool, but the kids might not think we're that cool. <laughs> totally understand. I, I get it. My 11-year-old does not think I'm cool. Julia and I are reminded daily that we're not cool, that our right. coolness factor has completely diminished. Yeah. So um, I'm going to hold on some hope. Maybe Santa will bring me some coolness factor again. But, <laughs> it's going uh, to be in your stocking, a package of cool. That's what I'm hoping for, too. <laughs> Love it. I'm actually one one more uh, question on this uh, your mentorship with your your trap shooting team. I uh, you know in Nebraska we did a survey of our high school trap participants and the survey came back reporting that our trap shooters are hunting. You know, sometimes kind of wonder what are they hunting? Does that hunting consist of just going out and hunting the firearm season? Are they truly using that shotgun that they are using uh, on that trap team to go further into deeper hunting perspectives? And, and maybe to expand past that, just that firearm season that maybe they're doing, a mentorship program could take them to that next level. And then hopefully then they would follow through and continue active through their college days. A lot of intriguing information here that gets the gerbil rolling in my brain to to maybe mm -hmm. make me that cool person to <laughs> to uh, expand our programs here in Nebraska. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. surveys are, are so important when it comes to evaluating a program successfully and just properly, right? So that was a big focus on when we started this, or, this program was how do we collect information on these kids because it's kind of unknown, right? And we found the same thing, Julia. We found that most of these kids are are hunting. And I was shocked when I first found that out, like over 50% of them were hunting. I'm like, what? Like, nah, there's no point, right? Same. But then we started asking more questions, right? Well, how long have you been hunting? How many times a year do you go hunting? What species have you hunted? And come to find out, you know, close to 75% of these kids are hunting, have been hunting for less than three years. So they're very green, I would say. And again, 70% of them go less than three times a year. So in my head, that was kind of me sometimes in some years, like pheasant opener, dove opener, and maybe over Christmas, right? And then that was it. 
And that's not going to create like an avid hunter, in my opinion, for when they go into adulthood. So hopefully we can kind of contribute hunting opportunities to what these kids are already doing. One thing I found so interesting, and this is like all about social support on these trap teams, right, is all of these kids, one of the barriers were, I don't have anybody to go with, but I have 100% of my family and friends supportive of this. So it's almost like we're being matchmakers on <laughs> these trap teams, like you guys can be friends outside of this and go hunting and kind of teaching them how to do that. <laughs> It's almost like swiping now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about the shooting sports demographics. Are your hunts strictly focused on the shooting sports demographic, or do you take a wider variety of people out on hunts? Yeah, so it is focused on shooting sports kids, but we don't say no to kids who ask us to go or young adults. So in Kansas, we have the high school clay target league, which is um, just – minorly different than what's in Iowa there and it's a scholastic clay target program so SCTP definitely has more collegiate activity versus the clay target league here in Kansas so I mean we, we're serving kids from 12 all the way up to I mean how old you can be in high in college nowadays which is sometimes 25 and and we often with that marketing demographic we get kids and parents asking us hey I just took Hunter Ed can I go hunting yes you can or hey, my dad used to take me hunting, but it doesn't anymore. And we just moved here. Can I join your program? And that's always yes. So Brittany, I have to ask, and Steph too, what does it take to get these hunts off the ground? Like I can't imagine all the moving parts associated with this. It's enough just to get me packed and out the door for a hunt. Yeah, it's a lot of communicating. That's like the number one thing. If I'd put a job description out right now, um, I would just say that this individual has to be really good at communicating because that's what we're doing. We're coordinating hundreds of hunting opportunities for hundreds of kids and mentors. And, and a lot of it is just being efficient at keeping in touch with coaches and athletes, finding those mentors in the area, and then coordinating land access. It's kind of, again, like a little bit of matchmaking in a weird way. We're kind of brokering all these pieces together and then supporting them to go on the hunt and then following up with them after the hunt. Professional cat herder, it sounds like. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in Iowa, and I know we're finding as time goes that like Kansas and Iowa have different um, barriers, you know, to Brittany's point, it is just communication. But for me, I'm calling with like all the enthusiasm, like, oh my gosh, wait till you hear what we're doing and like what we can be doing for these youth and the trap teams and everything. And when I'm calling and talking to people, they don't know who we are. So for me, it's really just like building relationships and spending a lot of time with each person person that I talk to. So whether that's a coach or a landowner or a potential mentor, like giving them my time, you know, for me coming into it in September, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to set up all these hunts. Like it's almost hunting season. Like let's do this. And we have set up multiple hunts and there's more um, that we're putting on the calendar now. So it's going really well, but I have to look at it from a long game approach because I'm coming into this in hunting season when everyone's busy, they don't have any idea who we are. They don't know who I am. Um, and so I just like genuinely wanting to build relationships with these people. So they understand and trust and want to be a part of this because it sounds all like a great idea, right? To like plan these hunts and get youth out. But when they don't know you, trust you, don't understand who these mentors are, what land, like what's your thing. I have found being from Iowa and being a hunter, people are really, once they get on the phone with me, they're really excited and they love talking to me. And each person I talk to, I talk to for like an hour at a time which I love, like if, you know, for the, those of you who know me, like that gets me giddy and I just like it, you know, like I like, ah, but, and that's so much fun, but I cover the whole state of Iowa. So we want to support the entire state and we want to get as many teams out and kids as we can, but it's going to, it's going to probably take some time to get where I think that we absolutely can get. It's just building trust and getting to know everybody involved really well. Yeah, that's really cool stuff. And it's, you know, it speaks to one of the bonuses, I think, of the hunting community, it's the community full of passionate people. So once you do get someone on the phone, they get excited, they get energized, they get passionate. And whether or not they can be involved or they can help, typically, I imagine you guys find people are really excited about your efforts regardless. So 
super cool. And I think um, we're all fortunate to be able to kind of be a part of that hunting community. I think you've answered a little bit of my next question, but, and perhaps maybe you have something, some additional that you want to highlight. Not do we want to make things negative, but I want to make this next question a negative into a positive. What has been the biggest challenges or learning curves during this process? That's a good question. I think with us being obviously founded in Kansas, we've, we've cultivated partnerships now for 20 years. And that's not just with one demographic, that's with our mentors through different conservation groups, that's through hundreds of landowners. And now with the Kansas Clay Target program, that, that's also through coaches. And as we expand into other states, which is our, our big plan, like we would love to see this in every state across the US, because I think that this program really does serve this low hanging fruit, this low hanging population of youth that are excited to learn but as we do approach partnership in other states, I think what Steph kind of hit on earlier was it takes a lot of effort to um, get buy-in from different gr- groups. And once you do pitch the program, it's like, oh, I'm in it. Like, I'm there for it. It's just the initial making connections. We run into a challenge here is land availability. Is, is that a challenge for you as well? Yeah, I mean, Kansas has 2% public lands. Um, We're really limited on just, you know, land access in general. 2% is still a lot, don't get me wrong. But we do have to rely heavily on private landowners. And we've kind of come up with different options. Obviously, we're an insured company, so we can write landowners in as additional insured. And oftentimes that's a big concern because we just live in a we live in a hard world right now. And I think a lot of people are worried about what could happen versus if I let this person on to hunt, what could happen after that, right? Which is they become a lifetime hunter because of this opportunity. So we've we've done some things um, in terms of land access that have been really helpful. In Kansas, we have a ton of deer, just like you guys do in Iowa. And depredation tags are huge or just doe management's huge. And so a lot of landowners are begging us to bring kids out and and help them with that. So we kind of turn what could be a negative as in crops getting destroyed to a positive of we get to get 12 kids out there to hunt. As I think about the program and, you know, you've you've been in Kansas for a few years, you've been in Iowa a couple of years now. As you kind of look back on it, do you think the program's been successful? Yes, I do, because in my brain, even coordinating one hunt to get kids outdoors is successful. But we're definitely seeing a lot of those returning kids. So we've had kids who started with us from year one now coming back and saying, can we go again? Or I want to try waterfowl hunting now because I've gone deer hunting with you guys. We had one young kiddo from a local school here in Wichita who is now guiding for an outfitter here in Kansas because of his experience with our program. And I mean, that was a kiddo who wasn't going the traditional route for college and now has a career. And to me, that that's success. Now, and I love the stories and, and that personal connection and because it really takes the information that you're learning and, and really kind of brings it home. But with our three, we try and stick to data and, and, and what what the surveys, what the results are showing. And, and have you seen any upticks or any interesting points of data over the last few years? Yeah, that data. It's like the one thing I kind of dread going through. I think we all are, are like that. Like I love data, but to not analyze it, it's like woof. But yes, yeah, so the fun part is, you know, as we are running this program, kids are hunting with us more and more and more. And I don't have that number off the top of my head on how many kids are retained in our program by going year after year, or hunt after hunt. But all of our kids that we see, we're asking questions about like hunting motivations, right? And has this program increased your likelihood to go out again? Yes. You know, have, has the education you learned or gained from this program encourage you to go out on your own? It's it's yes. So we're definitely seeing a lot of trends in that. And I can't wait to see that over the next couple of years too, especially expanding into Iowa. I think we're going to be able to really dissect that really well and see that. I think it'll be interesting to see where where that data, where that trend line goes, if we can project out, you know, once the youth aren't 12 and they're 18 or they're 22 and and what are their hunting behaviors at that point, you know, can we still bring it back to this program? And then 
selfishly, I, I want to know more, you know, we're working with youth, are they bringing family members in? Because I, I think that's at least looking at the trap world, the trap shooting world in general, we always call it the factor of four. We might have one athlete that's shooting, but at every event, there's mom, dad, extended family, grandma, grandpa, the brother or sister that had to go because that's where the family unit was going, you know, or you have that extended family, the stepmoms, dads, all that good stuff. So it really kind of, yes, you're planting the seed with one youth, but it's, it's growing exponentially. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to really get into that data and, and see what happens. As Julia states, my gerbil is running wild. <laughs> I think that's super healthy too, to think of those things. And when evaluating a program, because obviously it takes a village in more than one way, right? Not just planning the hunt, but at home too. I love encouraging parents to go out with their kids because one, they're typically really nervous about it because they're usually like, I don't hunt, so I don't want to embarrass my kid. What kind of shoes do I wear? Is it going to be annoying if I take pictures of my kid in the deer blind? You know, they're just just as curious as their kids are to learn. And a lot of those parents, they come back saying like, how can I get involved? And then it kind of becomes this like, man, we could have a whole nother program to serve parents. <laughs> or how can we better plug them in with resources like uh, Wonder Woman or Wilderness, or if it's a dad's group or a veteran, the Fallen Outdoors, you know, just there's a plethora of opportunity that comes from talking to those parents of those kids. Yeah, and I think just this just came to me a good point off of that is I was actually at like a like a coon hunting competition. And then there was a, there was a dad there who brought his son with him and we started talking about youth hunting and I was telling him about outdoor mentors and what I do. And he said to me, he's like, well, here's the thing though. He's like, I hunt. So I'll take my kid hunting. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to have someone else take him. And we, and I kind of like dug into that with him a little bit more. And I, I was thinking about that because I get what he was saying, but as we got talking, he's like, well, He's like, but I, you know, I farm and I work a full-time job. So it's really hard. So we get out a couple of times a year, right? Like I take him hunting, but we only go a couple of times a year. And I know just from being that kid, like if someone's listening and, and maybe their kiddo already hunts, those kids coming to these hunts, I think are, is really important too. Not just the ones who are learning, because I know like as someone growing up who didn't have any friends that hunted. I did end up taking some kids hunting. My dad would take some of my friends hunting and like that got them into it. And I just think whether the, the kiddo is, is new to hunting or not, having them involved is huge. And if you have a kid that already hunts that goes to these, it's only encouraging those new kids more. And it's creating a community that a lot of people just don't have growing up. And now they have a buddy, right? So like if that parent who has the kid who's never hunted before is nervous about that them going out, but then they see little Jimmy is their buddy and they can go with them. It, it puts them at ease. Right. And like makes them see like, Hey, they're not alone. Cause I know as a kid, it was outside of my brother and my cousins. If I talked about hunting in school, everyone looked at me like I had 10 heads. Like they thought it was weird. It wasn't cool. Like I thought it was cool, but it wasn't cool. And I think if you can get those kids that already hunt to, to join these kids that even if they're the same age, they're kind of a mentor in a way and it creates this community. So I just want to put it out there like it isn't just for the kids that are just getting into it like the ones who grew up this way join these hunts because i think it makes a huge impact like long term sorry for my rant oh that's <laughs> awesome that's perfect. i love that yeah and you know honestly your answers there leads into perfectly into the next question is what is next for your program I think we're going to keep planning hunts. <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, our, our our big dream is to expand in other states where we're trying to work on some things here and there in Wisconsin. And then, you know, Julia, we'd love to get there in, in Nebraska in some capacity. Absolutely. Um, what's fun about what we started with Iowa is that we did kind of like a pilot program our first year just to kind of test the waters. Like, how would this go over? Is it going to go over? Because that's one thing we never know. Um, every state's going to be so different. And so I think that's a lot of our efforts moving forward is, yeah, we're going to keep planning hunts and getting kids outdoors and, you know, running our program full steam ahead. But a big, a big mission of ours is to how can we scale this to serve more kids across the states? If I'm a parent or, or a, someone interested in Kansas or Iowa, where you're 
where you're operating right now, how do how do we get involved? How do they find out about hunts? How do they get signed up and connected? Yeah, we've tried to make that process as easy as possible. So you guys can find us at www.outdoormentors.org. Over on our side column of our website, we have Kansas events and Iowa events. There's a link where you can sign up to hunt with us. If you're a mentor, if you're a youth hunter, if you're a landowner, um, we kind of create a wide opportunity for people to get involved. And as I like to tell people and, and Steph reiterated that we like to talk, we love to connect with people. Call us and just chat with us about how you can get involved because you'd be surprised at how many um, landowners call us without knowing what their capacity could be in our program and they're now a staple in it. Same with parents. So give us a call, email us. We'd love to connect with you. Awesome. And I know, uh, you know, programs like this take a village, right? So I'm curious about how others can get involved. You know, you mentioned sometimes landowners call you and don't even realize the full capacity that they can support you. But what about just like general donations or if somebody is involved in some sort of processing slash taxidermy type of situation, is that something that would benefit your group yep, as well? So we, as a nonprofit, we are always running fundraisers of all sorts. Um, at any given point, there's a fundraiser on our website where you guys can also find that if you go to that outdoormentors.org website. We run a golf tournament in the spring. We have our annual bus to Cliff for kids sake. If you like to actually attend fundraisers, they're a blast. They're so much fun. You get to cultivate with really neat people at these events. And then of course, you know, you can always, you can always call us and let us know if you have something specific in mind, right? So say you have X amount of dollars you're looking to donate, but you want it to go directly towards kids who can't afford deer tags in Kansas and Iowa. That's fantastic. We can make that happen. If you want to pay for processing of deers for some kids, we can do that too. That's awesome. I'm really excited about that. And I yeah. bet these kiddos are excited too. Um, I'm sure it's really exciting when they can bring home meat for their family and put that on the table. That's something they can feel proud of. Yeah, it's always fun hearing comments from parents afterwards when, you know, these youth hunters come walking in with all their meat or their birds that they just shot and they're just so proud. And then I love it because they're like, now how do I cook it? And the parents are like, how do I cook it? <laughs> it's really neat. I was, I was just thinking that I think your next thing should be a uh, how to process and how to cook game my child shot and, yeah you know like that's that's the like you know the, the single dad cookbook if you will yes. right like what do I do now <laughs> yeah we've had a lot of action you know parents come to us and want to learn more and in COVID world too and I don't know how it is in Iowa and Nebraska but processing is a little limited right now because processors are run down by cattle and, and pigs and so deer it's like no way so we actually are going to be hosting a um, processing class, a virtual and in-person with uh, Walton's Inc. here in Kansas. And hopefully we'll film it too so other folks can see it. But it's like, basically like, I just shot this deer, what do I do? <laughs> and it's gonna at least teach someone how to a quarter out a deer, get it into a cooler and get it home. And then we're gonna walk them through how to break it down from there. You know, what can you turn into burger? What's good as is, you know, what are the back straps and tender loins and how can I cook those and not overcook them type of thing. So I think as we continue to run this program, we're gonna find that we could have like a whole like how-to seminar um, workshop series on these things. To follow up from my earlier comment, that's a, a wonderful single mom idea too. So <laughs> I didn't want to single out one section of the of our uh, our parent population. So uh, for those of us that are in two family uh, two parent households, I would use that also. So thank you. That's that's such a cool resource that is needed, and and I know that Tana and Julia will echo that that we've been looking at different partner opportunities to kind of share that same message on how to because it is such a overwhelming experience when you've when you haven't had that background to know what to do with it and going back to that com that uh, comic it takes a village and it certainly does take a village and it takes a village of those of us that are in this profession to work together to get new hunters and mentors out there so we are very appreciative, those of us in the agency, our positions having support as in 
with these like the outdoor mentors group to help us spread the word and expand the retention and reactivation and recruitment out there. And kind of wrapping back around, because I have a feeling there's a lot of ears out there that are really intrigued on wanting to be a mentor. You know, they have that experience or and want to go maybe to the next level. So what advice do you have for aspiring mentors? I would say the first part is believing that you have something to teach and share, because I think that is what holds people back the most. And I would say that's what held me back for the longest time. It's like, well, because you're always learning as like a woodsman, as an outdoorsman, just whatever that is, hunting, fishing, foraging, hiking, whatever you're always learning and you're never going to know everything and that's okay. But there is plenty of things that, you know, that someone can take away from you. Like you have something to share and teach. So I think the confidence and belief that you have something to share and that you can make an impact is I think the most important part, but it's the first step. That's fantastic advice, Steph. And you guys know, if you've been longtime listeners, if she goes outdoors, Uh, Julia and Rachel and I each have our own little soapboxes that we like to get up on and preach a little bit. And that is absolutely one of mine. You do not have to be an expert to be a mentor. And I cannot stress that enough. I've mentored people and I barely know what I'm doing. I've been hunting for like two years, but mentorship is not about being the expert. It's about sharing the knowledge you do have, just like Steph said. So I'm really, really glad you brought that up, Steph. Yeah. And Tana, to your point, I mean, I think a lot of us have this like traditional sense of mentorship like what it means to be a mentor like I have to sit there and physically hold your hand right like I'm going to mentor a child it's very time intensive it's very hands-on and the reality is I mean I have mentors that our relationship solely consists of me sending snaps snapchat photos of what I'm doing or what they're doing and we learn from it right it's it's solely that social connection that I look at that person as a mentor but there isn't actually even any dialogue exchanged but they've they've really played a pivotal role in whatever my learning experience is so to Steph and to Tana's point don't think that being a mentor is this like super time burden thing it's really just connecting with people and and with within social media i think this is one of the really positive things that that can come out of social media is is having that uh, opportunity to connect with people rachel it's funny that you said uh the snapchat like mentorship because we have that going on in nebraska too in our teams Rachel, Tana, and I even have that Snapchat team, that encouragement. And that's funny how you can look at mentoring in so di- so many different ways, and I, I love it. You know, an ex- another example is, is I took my nine-year-old this year out with me. Uh, he sat in the deer blind for the first time, and I was mentoring. The little bit of mentorship, it honestly, it was, is you need to layer up, layer up, child. And if you don't layer up, child, you're going to get cold. It was that little bit of mentorship. So uh, you can look at it in so many different ways. I think things unfold for people, you know, like kids or adults, it doesn't matter sometimes if you grow up in a hunting home, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to become a hunter or it's going to sit with you the same. For some people, it's just kind of like, like you're saying, Julia, just taking somebody out and just being there and, and like that little bit of advice, it's kind of like, I don't know, you just plant the seed and then they, they do a lot of the work themselves, right? Like it, it's just part of them. It, it, the outdoors for a lot of people, it just like is a flip of a switch And they're like, oh, I love this. I want this to be a part of my life. And it's just as simple as sometimes just sitting next to them or taking them out. Absolutely. Because Saturday he was cold. He wouldn't layer up like I told him to. By golly, on Sunday he was packed and ready and layering up. So it was. it was It was literally a flip of a switch. That's so cool. Yeah. All right. I think I probably could answer this question for both of you. But I want to pitch it back to you to see what in your opinion, has been the most rewarding part of being with with Pass It On and, and Outdoor Mentors. Uh, what has stuck with you over, Brittany, over the years and Steph over the months? Yeah, I think that working with Outdoor Mentors, it's never become more apparent, like work a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Like that's truly the bliss I live every day, which I, I feel very fortunate of. It's, it's just a really fun, rewarding job. And on top of that, I have learned so much professionally and personally as a hunter 
from everybody I've made connections with. And, and more importantly, I think the best thing is you just realize how many good people there are in the outdoor world. And you just know you're not alone out there if you have questions in regards to needing help out in the field hunting or finding resources for another hunter. Yeah, and, and, and everything Brittany just said, even though it's been only a couple of months, it, it's a, I mean, it's really the same answer. I've been a part of this in a disconnected way for a long, you know, my whole life. And to actually have this be my job is crazy because like my to-do list is something I look forward to, you know, so that that's really cool. But just being a small part of, I don't know, some, sometimes in Iowa, it's kind of just like putting that bug out there. And they're like, yeah, we'll do this. And then you help put it together. And then you get these like stories and pictures. And even sometimes when I'm not there to be a part of the events, like just what you hear back and like these kids having a great time. And I don't know, it's like such a small piece of a bigger thing and it just feels good. And just, you can see that you're making a difference, like regardless of like the data, which I know we talked about and it can be hard. It's like, you're doing something bigger than yourself. And that's just really cool. There is nothing better than waiting around on like a Saturday night or Sunday night for pictures from the hunt that happened that weekend and like all the excitement and the the stories told by mentors and the parents and the kids like I could write a and I probably should look at doing this like a short novel on hunting stories told by kids and mentors because it's just it fills your cup up makes you feel really warm and fuzzy inside. That would be the best book ever yeah right here we go oh my god yeah i love it so we've been in the recent episodes we've been really highlighting uh, other podcasts i've become a podcast junkie i think a lot of people out there are becoming podcast junkies i steph you had mentioned listening to podcasts now my understanding is that you two have your own podcast Tell us about them so that our listeners will add your podcast onto their uh, subscribe lists. Yeah. So uh, my good friend Rob McDonald and I um, started a podcast just this past year. So we're very new. And part of that was we really realized that everybody's listening to podcasts now. Like that's just a thing. So our podcast is the Great Plains Outdoors podcast. We're really just covering anything and everything across the Great Plains, hunting, fishing, kayaking, camping, just kind of two friends talking and talking with their friends. And so if you're ever interested in listening to um, some groups get on and talk with us about conservation groups or different types of flies you can tie while fly fishing, that's a good podcast for you to listen to. Steph, tell us about yours. I just hit two years with my podcast and it's called Woods and Waters Project. So I interview different types of outdoorsmen, men, women from across across the country and just share their stories and their perspectives. My big message and what I'm trying to get across is we're all more alike than we're different. And all like being an outdoorsman doesn't have to look a certain way or be a certain way or have a certain experience um, that it's for everybody. And it really is from the perspective of like, there's something to learn from everyone, um, which I definitely have through my podcast. Like I think Brittany said this earlier, the most rewarding thing is every conversation I have a new friend and I have a new mentor and someone I can share my pictures with or who shares pictures with me or is my hype person on social media and that's like pretty cool because there's no one there's like a quote out there like no one's more supportive than like your social media friends or something like that but that is totally a thing with the podcast so yeah woods and waters project Stuff that uh, Woods and Waters is on my library. So I'm excited to uh, now add Great Plains to my library too. There you go. Thanks for letting us share our little hobbies. Absolutely. We're we're super appreciative for you. She goes outdoors too. You guys have done such a good job at connecting so many people to resources across multiple states and I would assume across the country. Supposedly even to Germany. I mean, that's what SoundCloud tells us. So shout out to whoever's listening to us from Germany. I love it. Well, thank you, ladies, for all you do, because it it takes a lot of um, connectivity to bring groups like this together and, and share support. Brittany, Steph, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate the hard work you're putting in and the example you're setting, both for new mentors, new mentees, and for the entirely of the hunting community. You have made some incredible connections 
and I'm sure you will continue to do so. So remind our listeners one last time, where can they go to uh, learn more information about the Pass It On Outdoor Mentors Group? Yeah, thank you guys so much. You guys can find us um, at www.outdoormentors.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under the handle Outdoor Mentors. Well, Steph, Brittany, thanks again for joining us this morning. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you too and, and just to hear some of the stories that are going on across the states and, and just those those interactions, I think a lot of times people are afraid to connect anymore. And, and, and to Steph's point, you know, we are a lot more alike than we, than we realize. And hopefully our listeners get that from this podcast and from your podcasts, you know, it, it's such an awesome time to, to really hear authentic voices of people doing things in the field. And, and so um, for that, I, we thank you for joining us this morning. I encourage all of our listeners to go check it out, outdoormentors.org. Um, see what you can see how you can get involved. Check out their Facebook page. They're always putting up pictures and and little snippets of the different adventures going on in, in across Kansas and and Iowa. And if you're listening from a fellow state and and you think that this is this has growth and capacity within your state reach out to them um they're they love to talk i will absolutely echo that so if, if you want to have just a great conversation give them a call and see how you might be able to get involved with their group a little bit of excitement here on the she goes outdoors world we are relaunching our subscription boxes so we're going live mic drop ice fishing box is open available please get out there enjoy it fifty dollars it's in your mailbox we're hoping to get them there before christmas so yeah it's going to be an amazing box and then we're looking forward to an educational zoom again like we have with all of our other boxes so it's a it's an amazing opportunity and way to connect with other interested in this particular case ice fisher women maybe just to really get that the equipment the education and that social network in the mail and then on zoom so please ladies as you're out doing things make sure you follow our facebook page post your updates check out what we're doing but please share photos of what you're doing and and see some of the photos of of what we're doing and our extended family is doing so as always you can subscribe to get updates on our new episodes like rate us share with your friends give us ideas on new topics and in the meantime we can't wait to see you outdoors mm-hmm.